success can lead to complacency. So we, we thought that things that go up would probably go up further. So about three to four years ago, I start to look around for my second property, thinking that the same pattern in which I've seen in the past five years, from the time that I want to buy the second property, will the trend will continue. Unfortunately, it didn't. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest, Alan Lim. Alan, are you ready to rock? Yes. All right. So, Alan Lim is currently a senior research analyst at the research division of MIDF Amana Investment Bank in Malaysia. He has close to 10 years experience as a sell-side analyst and has covered sectors which include plantations, properties, real estate investment trusts, and telecommunications. He's a chartered financial analyst like myself with first-class honors degree in computer science from University of Technology, Malaysia. Unlike myself, I didn't get first-class honors. Alan consistently achieved high Bloomberg ranking for stocks under his coverage. And in fact, as of the 21st August, 2018, he's ranked number one analyst for IOI Corporation, KLK, FEMA Corporation, and Ta-Am. Alan, take a minute, fill in anything missing from that intro and tell us something about your personal life. Hi, thanks, Andrew. Personally, I'm married. I have one cute daughter, three years old. So that keeps me awake every day. It's something that I look forward every day to go back and enjoy playing with her. That's so, that's gold. Yeah. All right. Well, currently I have I own two properties, one of which I'm staying, and another one I'm renting out. The reason I'm highlighting this is because it's related to our topic of discussion yesterday. The worst investment ever is going to be related to my second property. Great. Fantastic. So this is a man who has some experience in property on the good and bad side. So now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking, it's going to be their worst investment. Tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us a story. As we all know, 10 years ago, interest rate global interest rate was pushed down to a very low level. And as Malaysia interest rate also follows international interest rate, the interest rate in Malaysia was also has declined significantly. And to a certain extent, that has led to higher property price. For my first property, I was lucky to go in. Actually, I was... It's not, a, it's not an investment decision because at that time I am going to marry, so we need a house. And as a result, although I, the house that I want to buy already go up by 50%, I need it and so I just buy it. And three years down the road, that house, despite having gone up for 50%, it went up further by another 50%. So, so success, success from the beginning. For the first house, yes. <laughs> now, as we all know, success can lead to complacency. So we, we thought that things that go up would probably go up further. 
And so about three years, three to four years ago, I start to look around for my second property, thinking that the same pattern in which I've seen in the past five years, at, from the time that I, I want to buy the second property, will the trend will continue. Unfortunately, it didn't. So this is my worst investment ever because every month it's, it's a negative cash flow to me. Negative cash flow in the sense that although I have rented it out, but after, after deducting the monthly payment to the banks and also the management fees, it's still uh, quite a significant negative cash flow. Mm. So few things I would like to highlight is that firstly, I didn't really apply everything that I, that I learned in CFA when I was about to purchase a property. I applied it most of the time in my work, but somehow because of the circumstances in which the property market is just too good and everyone was, almost everyone was talking about the good story on the property markets uh, three to four years ago. So yeah. So I think the mentality is dangerous. So I'll, I'll ask a few questions and try to summarize, but I think the first thing is, can you describe your feeling when you had your first success and then you were going into this? How are you personally feeling about the situation? The feeling is very good. And as we all know, we can, as we are leveraged, for my first house, I can borrow up to 90%. So the, I didn't intend to speculate because it's my it's a home that I'm going to stay anyway. So, but uh, if we look look at the upside, it looks a lot. For example, I will start to think that what if, why not at that time for the for my first house, I buy three units instead of one. Then I would have been a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> so that sort of thinking starts to get you off the reality. And um, how did this affect your relationship? with your wife? It's, it didn't affect my relationship. Okay, for the first house, it's a joint name, but for the second house, my wife said you're on your own. <laughs> so from the beginning, I think she's smart. That's a good because sign, a you've got a smart wife. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, another question I have is, I mean, as an analyst all of my career, uh, between myself and all the friends and fund managers and different people that I talk to, it's funny how we're so not as great about taking care of our money as we are about taking care of our responsibilities on our jobs and advising people on other people's money. And I know that this is the yeah. case because I talked to so many different people about the mistakes that they've made. And I'm just curious, yes. why, why do you think that us in this industry have this problem? We tend to believe that we tend to separate our own investment from taking care of other people's money because mm -hmm. um, taking care of other people's money takes a lot of responsibility and whenever the investment goes into negative territory we need to sort of like justify in the meetings or reports or yeah those sort of things and but we don't, for the we don't personal one those, we don't take those steps in our personal investments yeah who will write a report to ourselves to justify why the house has gone down but and I'm, two, I'm thinking yeah. that in other professions, people are so scared about making financial investments and don't feel a lot of confidence. Therefore, they really take their time and study it. Whereas for us, it's kind of a sideline. You know, here's our main job. We're making good money. And now here's an investment. Ah, I'm smart enough to figure this out. 
that's my judgment of kind of where it comes from. Yeah. All right. Well, let, let's just talk about what did you learn from this experience? I learned that DCF, discounted cash flow model, is a very important tool. And don't treat it as something that we use for just for equity market. It is actually useful for property, individual property market. Yep. It is also useful to be applied in individual investment in property market. Great. I, yep. I'm saying this because on hindsight, the same money that I invest in this second property, after the initial investment, every month I need to still fork out money for the difference between the repayment and also the bank loan repayment and minus whatever rental that I get is still negative. So after run through the model, I need to put a very big numbers for the whole thing for the NPV to become positive. <laughs> and that future numbers doesn't look realistic at the current juncture. So if we were to really do a DCF, the NPV is likely to be negative. The second alternative in which, because it's property, so I would have used the same money and invest in real estate investment trust in which I don't need to really pay for it. Uh, I mean, at least I don't need to be to incur negative cash flow every month. The chances, the same money that would have been invested in real estate investment trust would have generated would have outperformed my investment in this property. Generally, people never think that owning a real estate investment trust is actually as good as property investment. I'm taking the view that someone who wants to own the property and then collect the rental, not those buy and flip. Okay. So if we compare business model, it's quite aligned. It's quite similar by owning a real estate investment trust and also owning property directly. directly. Yeah. Got it. Okay, so, so it's better to, on hindsight, it would have been better in, to invest in real estate investment trust. All right, so let me summarize what I take away from your story and tell me if I'm missing anything. There's a few things from my perspective. The first one that I think our listeners need to understand is the concept of liquidity. When you buy a house, uh, when you start a business, when you try to do something like that, the liquidity of what you're buying is very low. It's very hard to get out of. It's not an easy thing to get in and out of. Unlike in the stock market or REITs, as he's explained, real estate investment trusts. With real estate investment trusts, you could buy and sell them on the stock market. You don't like what's happening, you can take your money out. So one of the big risks that we face when we're buying homes as well as when we're investing in startup businesses and the like, there's no. it's very hard to get liquidity when you need it unless you're really, really willing to reduce your price. That brings me to another thing that I always say about, about property is that a lot of times property can be a trap. Because you don't have liquidity, you've put your money in, you've got the financing from the bank, and then all of a sudden everything falls. It's hard to find a buyer for it and you're basically stuck with it. And that's the reason why some of the best advice I got from my sister was she said, only buy a house if you walk in and, and that house or that condo is like, wow, I want to live here. Because she said, if you make a mistake, you could be suffering for a long time with that, that place and you better like it. I learned that. She told me that after I made a mistake of buying a condo that I just bought for rental purposes. Which brings me to my next point. Buying condos and this type of property and thinking that you're going to rent it out. Remember, that, that's a whole business. There are people that are running a business of renting out. And therefore, there's a lot of overhead. There's a lot of hassle. There's a lot to it. 
the reason why I sold my condo that I used to rent many years ago was because I just decided I didn't want to spend my time doing that. And so that's kind of another takeaway that I have. And I would just say that the last takeaway is this takeaway related to real estate investment trust, REITs. Basically, you can earn a return and a REIT somewhere between maybe 5% and 9%, depending on the market that it's in. Now, the capital appreciation is low for a REIT. It doesn't grow that much compared to a normal company. But I think people can look at a REIT as a relatively safe, low volatility way of investing money and getting a dividend or a higher return. Not always, but that REIT is something that has the liquidity that you could get out if it doesn't work, if it's not what you want. So those are some of the things that I took away. Is there anything I've missed? Yeah, uh, I think you make a good point, but can I just add something, one more? People always like to brag about property. Let's say I buy, let's say someone buy at 500,000 ringgit and 10 years down the road, it's double to 1 million. And, but if we really do a DCF approach to it and include all the financing, financing costs, the similar rates that generate consistent return, consistent dividend of 6% to 8% every year, would have probably done the same job or even outperformed that. That raises a really interesting point. We never believe what other people say about their investments. My, my other point is never believe what other people say about their investments because most people are talking about their winners. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so why was your bias? <laughs> and they're not, they're not calculating it fully, which I think is the point that you make. So let's move on to the actionable advice section of this interview. Based upon what you've learned from this and your subsequent experience, what is one specific action that you would recommend our listeners do to avoid suffering the same fate? What is the one specific action you would recommend our listeners do to avoid suffering the same fate as what you've described? Do the calculation, at least the DCF, the NPV, and the IRR on any type of investment that you make. And since these three methods can be applied across different kind of assets, you can also put in your liquidity risk to cater for a different kind of asset class. Great. That will be good to compare against all, let's say you have three ideas on, on what to invest. So you can compare and then make an informed decision before jumping in. Great. So we put our tools to work that we learned through studying finance. Well, there you have it. Yes. Another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. As we wrap up, Alan, I want to thank you for uh, coming on the show. I know it's painful to talk about our losers, but our listeners are learning to win as a result. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Yeah. As I'm speaking now, I'm still licking the wood of the, <laughs> the worst investment because uh, I'm still at a negative cash flow for that property. So, so, so make sure we learn about that. We take the lesson from this and yeah, hopefully the listeners, the audience will be better off. Fantastic. So again, thanks for another great story to help us, all of us, you, me, and the listeners create, grow, protect our wealth. Fellow risk takers, I will see you on the upside.